Amen. For those who are present and those who are online, as Pastor mentioned, he's starting a series about unpacking the stuff that keeps us from being able to fulfill God's greatest plan, purpose, and destiny in our lives. And today the focus is on addiction uh, because that's what Teen Challenge has been working with for the last 60 years here in Southern California and around the world. You know, last Sunday, uh, I can't believe it was just when one week ago I was in Romania uh, in Bucharest, Romania, preaching at a church, and now I'm here uh, one week later. So God is uh, able to get us back and forth to all the places where he wants us to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to get there in a little while to Second Corinthians chapter 10, but I just want to share a little bit about uh, addiction and, and how we all need God's help. Can somebody say Amen. Because we're all addicted to sin. Amen. We've all been addicted to sin. And so we all have the same pathway to victory. And God's plan and purpose is for each one of his sons and daughters to come into the, according to Ephesians 4.13, it says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. In other words, we need to experience him to become a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That is God's desire for the church. He wants us to grow up. Okay, y'all a little quiet, but praise God. Amen. I'm, I'm from a tradition. I like you to talk back. That'll help me finish a lot quicker. <laughs> Glory to God. I know you got that pot roast on at home, and so I want to get you there as quick as possible. Amen. It's God's desire that we grow up in him, amen? And so we need the word of God. And when it comes to the word of God, we come with a lot of baggage. And we have a lot of unpacking to do. But when it comes to addiction, uh, rescue has to come first. Then comes restoration. And then we have a change of our character, a change of our mind. Romans 12 says that we're not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Amen? So that we can prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So the baggage that we come with is a burden of our sin. And what God wants to do is he wants to exchange that burden for vision. Amen? Someone say burden to vision. Yes, God wants us to get rid of the burden of our sins so that we can have the vision of the hope and the future that he has for us. And that's what our students learn at Teen Challenge. They learn how to have a vision for the hope and the future that God has for you. You can't have a vision if you're looking back. Amen. You got to look up and you have to look forward. Amen. Look up and look forward. Sometimes looking around can be a problem. Amen. We can get distracted and our bags can start getting full of all kinds of things again. And we have to have those things unpacked so that we can be the person that God calls us to be. Proverbs 29, 18 says, without a vision, the people will cast off restraint and return to their former ways, but happy are those who keep the law. Amen. And so the way that we go forward is that we keep the word of God. We're obedient sons and daughters of the king. Amen. And that's what God has called us to. Uh, a broad definition of addiction uh, for our purposes this morning, it is a strong inclination to do, to use, or to indulge in something repeatedly. 
It's an out-of-control behavior, a strong inclination to do, use, or indulge in something repeatedly, out-of-control behavior. Now, that can apply to drugs and to all kinds of things. And so there are all kinds of addictions that people are wrestling with and struggling with. And when we come and we bring our baggage to the Lord, you don't just go and say, okay, God, here's my baggage, and, and we start taking things out one at a time. We have to have an encounter with God. You need to meet the living God. Hallelujah. Because it's only when we're transformed by the power of God's grace that we can start unpacking the bag. See, many times we want to start unpacking the bag before we have power to deal with what's in the bag. Uh, hello? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because we can't break the power of addiction in our own strength. We've tried and tried and tried, and we fail over and over again. Oh, but when God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, comes and invades our lives, then everything changes. Hallelujah. Amen. So when we're talking about unpacking the bag of addiction, getting rid of that baggage, it starts with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We must meet Jesus. Amen. Because if we start opening that bag and start trying to deal with stuff, we're going to find that we will fall under the weight of the things that are inside of that bag. But oh, when we give over that burden to Jesus, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hallelujah. God wants us to have a light bag today. But it's the transformation that comes first in uh, Acts chapter 9 when Saul of Tarsus, he was addicted to power. Hello? Saul was addicted to influence and control. And so he was on his road to Damascus to persecute the way, the people who were following Jesus. And he had this encounter with Jesus. Someone say encounter with Jesus. See, until we meet Jesus, nothing changes. We can do all kind of mental gymnastics. We can make all kind of New Year's resolutions. We can make all kind of promises. I won't do it no more. Mama, I'm going to be good. Uh, I'm going to be good. This baby. No, 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 no. We have to have an encounter with Jesus. And so he was on his way in his addiction to power, influence, and control, uh, and also religion because he felt like he was doing God's will. You know you can be addicted to religion? God is not calling us to be addicted to religion. He wants us to be in a relationship with the living God. Hallelujah. Amen. So a lot of people are addicted to a lot of things. And so Paul, uh, the Saul of Tarsus, before his name became Paul, he was addicted to his religion and he needed transformation. He needed redemption. He needed Holy Spirit empowerment. And you know the story as he met with Jesus and, and Jesus began to talk to him and say, why are you persecuting me? And he didn't even know who Jesus was. But when he had that encounter and the, the, these scales came on his eyes and, and he became blinded, it really matched the, his heart because his heart was already blinded. When we're in our addictions, we're blinded to our own strength. We're blinded thinking that we can do something that we can't. I can control it. I got, I got control of this. It's all right. I'll be all right. I can handle it. I'm strong. No, 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 no. But that blindness on the outside matched the blindness on the inside, but God had a plan. Someone say, God's got a plan. 
I want you to know that if, if you have a family member who's, who's addicted or you're struggling yourself, God has a plan. His plan is to transform, redeem, recover, and restore your life. Amen. God doesn't have any bad plans. His plans are all good. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, my plans are to prosper you, not to harm you, but give you a future and a hope. All of God's plans are good. Hallelujah. And so God's plan was, okay, Saul of Tarsus, I'm going to let you finish your journey and get on down to Damascus. But, your, but the plan is changed. You're not going to go to the teen challenge in Damascus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Everybody needs teen challenge. Don't, don't look at me like that. Amen. I said we all need teen challenge because all teen challenge is is an idea about how to have discipleship and meet with Jesus. That's all it is. It's, it's, there's nothing, you know, magical about what happens there, but there's something spiritual. There's something powerful. There's something transformative. There's something glorious when you meet with the living God and the Holy Spirit comes. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's what Teen Challenge is. It's Jesus in the morning. Jesus in the noontime, Jesus in the evening, Jesus all night long. It's all about Jesus transforming a life. And that's what the church needs more than anything, amen? The church needs to be transformed by meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here, uh, Saul of Tarsus, Jesus said, okay, go on down to Damascus, and I'm putting you in Teen Challenge. And the director of Teen Challenge, his name is Ananias. And so God sent Ananias over to where, where Paul was, where Saul of Tarsus was, and, and, and he was a disciple. The Bible just says he was a disciple of Jesus, just a disciple. And God gave him, Jesus gave him a vision to go lay hands on this guy who was persecuting the church. So the scales fell off, he got his eyesight back, and he hung around there, and he began to be discipled by those who were following Jesus. Hallelujah. That is what transforms our lives is when we are discipled by the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing about Ananias, and I want to say this, how many of you are disciples of Jesus Christ? Amen. What is a disciple? A disciple is not just someone who learns facts about the Bible or learn things about theology, but a disciple is a person who is a follower of Jesus and an imitator of Jesus. Hallelujah. That means we do the things that Jesus did. We lay hands on the sick and they recover. Hello? Amen. We preach the gospel. We introduce people to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. That's what disciples do. I was in, uh, as I mentioned, I went to Ethiopia a few years ago and I was preaching in a church in Hawassa down in the southern part of Ethiopia and I went out to lunch with the pastor, and I said, Pastor, what do you see as the greatest challenge for the church in Ethiopia? And he said, one of the greatest chapel, uh, challenges for the church in Ethiopia is that we bring a lot of converts, but we don't make a lot of disciples. That was his word. I said, we have the same problem in America. He said, people will show up for the service. They'll show up for the show. But then they go home and they don't do anything during the week to put into practice the things that they've learned. We need disciples like Ananias 
who was praying and he heard from God. Hallelujah. That's what disciples do is they pray and they hear from God. He was praying and he heard from God and he said, don't be afraid of Saul. I know he's been a pretty bad dude, but I got work for him to do and I want you to go down there and lay hands on him and, and set him free. That's what disciples do is they pray they stay in the presence of God and they listen and then they obey. They step out into what God says. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. I want to ask you to raise your hand. How many disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ are in the house that are sitting in the presence of God day by day, night by night, saying, God, how do you want to use my life? What do you want me to say to my neighbor? What do you want to say to my, my, my kids who are away from God? What do you want me to do for you today, Lord? That's what disciples do is they wait in the presence of God so that they can hear from him because God wants everyone's life to be unpacked from the burden of sin so that they can receive the vision of new life in Jesus Christ. But he needs disciples to do it. Amen. And so Ananias was listening. He was a man of prayer. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was obedient to the voice of God. He was led by the Spirit of God. He, he, had, he, led, he did what Jesus told him to do. He laid hands on him, and he called him his brother. He said, hello, my brother. Amen. He didn't judge him based on his past conduct, but he allowed the love of God, hallelujah, to permeate his heart so that he could call Saul brother after all the things that he had done. What are we holding on in our bag that keeps us distant from people? Is there bitterness? Is there resentment, unforgiveness? Are we holding on to some things? Apparently what disciples do is they open their bag and they let Jesus take all the stuff out so that they can be authentic, transparent representations of the kingdom of God. Amen. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. Hallelujah. Love one another. Imagine that. <laughs> Wow, that's a new commandment? Yes. Why is it a new commandment, Jesus? Because folks ain't loving each other. Amen. And so Ananias apparently had had God open up his bag and take out that resentment and, and the fear and, and all of the things that would keep him from calling Saul a brother. Hallelujah. And he explained to him the gospel, told him that was Jesus that he met on the road. He spoke the word of faith, hallelujah, and Jesus did miracles, hallelujah. What do you need to have unpacked today? This same Saul who became the apostle Paul wrote these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 6. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we are ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Hallelujah. We have to have spiritual weapons in order to defeat the enemy. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of this world. We don't use arguments. You know, you can't really convince somebody in their mind to be a follower of Jesus. Hello? You might give them some food for thought and have them chew on some stuff. <laughs> but 
eventually it's going to have to go past their mind into their heart where they have to make a volitional choice to follow the Lord Jesus. Amen. So God's word, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, is living, is powerful, is sharper than a two-edged sword. It is the word of God that is able to penetrate the thoughts and intentions of the heart and cause us to come into that place of having a transformational relationship with Jesus Christ called being born again. Amen. We must be born again. Amen. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And so it's the Word of God. 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 Amen. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are life and they are spirit in John chapter 6. So we need the spiritual words of life that are proclaimed with power and with demonstration. What do I mean? We speak the word with boldness and with confidence because it's working in us. Is the word working in your life? Amen. If it's working in you, then when you speak it, you speak it from a place of authority. One of the reasons we can't speak with authority is because the word's not working in our lives. Amen. We have to speak the word of faith because we've been experiencing the word of faith in our lives. We speak the word of victory and power because we are experiencing victory and power in our lives. We speak the word of transformation. We speak the word of hope. We speak the word of peace. We speak the word of joy. Why? Because I have some joy. Amen. Let me see a smile on your face if you got some joy. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. I get joy, 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 yeah, yeah. Do you have any joy? Amen. Romans 14, 17 says that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh, does that mean we don't have challenges? Oh, yes, these last few years have been chaos. Amen. Lots of challenges everywhere. But you know what? In the midst of the challenge, we can have victory because we know that God's word is true. We know that Jesus is with us. Amen. When Jesus told his disciples, let's get in the boat and go to the other side in Matthew chapter 8, he says, we will get to the other side. You know the rest of the story. The wind and the waves came up, but Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Did they get to the other side? They got to the other side. They had a little fear. Your knees might be a little wobbly today, but I want you to know that you're getting to the other side. Whatever the challenge is that you're facing, so there's victory in your bag and not defeat in your bag. Amen. See, when we stand before the word of God, only the word of God can help us discern what's really in the bag. Because we would begin to name stuff that really is not even in the bag because we have so many random thoughts and only the word of God can challenge the, the, the discernments and the thoughts of our heart. In other words, we can't even think right without him. Hello? Well, I'm trying to describe what's in my bag. It looks like, no, no, we're not playing a word game here of it looks like and, and trying to get somebody to guess what's in the bag. The Holy Ghost will tell you exactly what's in the bag. He'll tell you you got a root of bitterness because you haven't forgiven someone. Hey, glory. Amen. Don't shout me down. I'm just t t trying to tell the truth up in here. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, no, I just have a little problem in this area. No, you're not. You're mean. 
<laughs> you don't have a little problem. You hate folks, okay? Tell the truth. I got hatred in my bag, and I need hatred out of my bag. Glory to God. Amen. That's why we come and hear preaching and teaching. That's why you're going to those growth group classes that you're having. Why? So that you can rightly discern what's in the bag so you can get rid of it. Amen. Because the enemy will have us, you know, just shifting stuff from one side of the bag to the other and have us rattling around in there and we'll be 10, 20, 30, 40 years later, hello, sitting in church and our bags are still full of debris that Jesus has forgiven us for a long time ago, of trauma that we never got healed of, of all kind of stuff that we hold on to. And he said, no, get into my word. This is the powerful weapon that is not carnal, but is mighty through the word of God to pull down the strongholds. It is the word of God. Amen. It's the word of God in the morning, word of God in the evening. Word of God all day long. That's why we have you memorize scripture. Amen. We're not torturing you. Amen. We're trying to give you some spiritual weapons so that you'll be able to pull down strongholds, rightly discern what's in that bag so you can get the bag off your back and you can soar on eagle's wings in the joy and presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. But the word has to work in us. It's not just learning the word to say how much I know from the Bible, but it's how much of it is active and living in my life. He says that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. That is truth from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. But how much of that is actually living and powerful in our daily lives? He doesn't want us to just have a mental assent to the word of God, but he wants us to be set free so that the word of God is cutting one way and the other and is helping us discern what's in the bag. Hallelujah. I've been, you get you to confess, oh, I've been angry for a long time and I didn't even know why. Why was I talking to my kids like that? Why was I talking to people in my life that loved me and pushing them back? Because there was stuff in the bag that I didn't understand. But when the word of God comes, he shines a light. Your word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my pathway. And it's, it shows me how to get out of the stuff and how to walk free to be the person that God has called me to be. Hallelujah. These are the powerful weapons we have. So what do we do with this living word? We speak it. So that whatever arguments are going on in our heart, in our mind, that the enemy is trying to get us to settle into, we would say, no, that does not match the revelation of God's word in my life. So I will not settle for that argument that I will always be weak to this because my mama and my dad were weak to it. No, 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 no. That's not what the word said. The word says whom the son sets free is free indeed. <laughs> Hallelujah. So it's literally taking the word of God and applying it to our lives so that we can have an understanding of how to worship. We can have an understanding of how to live. We can have an understanding of how to keep our word. We can have an understanding of how to be faithful to God, faithful to our loved ones, faithful to the kingdom of God. We will have an understanding when the word of God is working in us. Amen. 
Get wisdom, but in all you're getting, get understanding. And so the word of God comes to give us understanding on how to have that bag totally turned upside down so that we're not carrying it anymore and we're walking in vision. And that word vision from Proverbs 29, 18 that I quoted a while ago, it means prophetic revelation. It means God gives you insight in the moment on how to deal with the stuff that you're facing. They got to the other side. As soon as they got to the other side of the lake, there was two demon-possessed guys come running out of the grave, and everybody in that region were afraid. So, okay, I, I got off the, off, off the boat. We did get to the other side, Jesus, but now these violent people come running after us. Jesus set them free. Has anybody been set free by Jesus? Jesus set them free. Hallelujah. I said this to say this. Sometimes it may seem like you're going from challenge to challenge, from battle to battle, from storm to test, from trial to trial. It doesn't take God by surprise. It's all part of his design so that we will look to him to be the author and perfecter of our faith. He doesn't want us to depend on our own resources and our own strength because they will fail us. Oh, but when we look to Jesus, hallelujah, lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets you, and then look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the Father. When you get your bag taken off, when you lay down that bag, you need to be looking to Jesus, because the bag will get filled right back up with a whole lot of stuff as you're going through this thing we call life because life is a battle. Okay, well, maybe you got it easy. Okay, well, God bless you. <laughs> I said life is a battle. And we have to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. And if we're not looking to Jesus, that bag will get filled back up with all kinds of things like fear and doubt and unbelief and anger and we'll get angry with God. Keep the bag empty. Keep the bag empty. Keep the bag empty. And the only way you can keep the bag empty is by keeping your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. If the worship team will come and we're going to close in a little bit. I know that I'm about out of time here, but I just want you to know today that when it comes to addiction, it's only the power of the Holy Spirit that can set someone free. I remember when Teen Challenge, I was reading uh, an article that they interviewed David Wilkerson years ago in a medical journal. He was asking, how do you have success with heroin addicts being able to get off drugs? You know, we try all kinds of things and we can't get any success. And he said, all I know is that when a person gets born again and gets filled with the Holy Spirit, there's a power that comes upon their life that's greater than their addiction that helps them to walk in freedom. It's only through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. I won't leave you comfortless. I won't leave you powerless, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And he will come and he will do what? 
lead and guide you into all truth. In other words, help you to unpack your bag of all the lies of the enemy and be filled up with the truth of God that through Christ I can do all things. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. God wants to set us free. In this passage that we read from 2 Corinthians 10, it says that we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. What does it mean to be taken captive? It means that it no longer has power. In other words, God doesn't scrub your brain so that you don't remember. Hello? When he says that he wants us to take those thoughts captive, what he's saying is, the thoughts may be there, but they will never control your life again. Hallelujah. They'll never control your life again. Addiction is a tough thing to deal with. But there's victory in Jesus. And many times what we want is we want some silver bullet to come. And, and so I don't ever have another thought about it. I don't ever. No, 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 no. He says take the thought and make it obey. Make it obey the powerful word of God. So my brothers, you may still have the thought. But when the thought comes, you said, no, you're going to obey Jesus. You're not taking me by the back of my neck and dragging me back out into that world. Obey Jesus. His word is powerful. It's living. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. We just want, every, just want everything to go away, so I'm only thinking, you know, sunshine, birds, and flowers. Well, that's not reality. Crazy stuff is going to come through your mind, but you make everything lay down and obey the word of God. Through faith, through prayer, through the power and unction of the Holy Spirit. There is victory. There is deliverance. And God is taking the stuff out of your bag. But he wants you to know the truth of what's in the bag. And that can only come through discernment and the powerful working of the word of God.